Hello, my name is Brian Martin, and you are listening to episode 19 of the Running Technique Tips podcast. And I'm now joined by my co-host who should be busily packing from Sydney, Lisa Biffin. How are you going, Lisa? Well, I've made the final week, Brian. I'm pretty excited. And you said that I should be packing. I haven't even started. Just classic Lisa. Do it at the very last second. Um, but uh, yeah, I actually can't believe that it's it's finally like it's going to be real. It's happening. This is... Um a bit counter, though, to your normal organised personality, this whole not packing <laughs> business. Like, uh, this uh, just really seems at odds with your list making and planning. It, it actually, yeah, it, it, it is. I don't know why. I I just avoid packing to the last second, throw everything into a suitcase and just head out the door. So uh, probably at 9 o'clock tonight I'll be doing exactly that and uh, jumping in bed and, and getting up and heading to the airport. Fantastic. Mm, so I feel like, you know, that thing that you feel like you've been talking about and planning and thinking about, you know, forever, and then finally you're just like, oh, this is actually happening. Like This is real now. <laughs> yes. Well, we've been talking about it a lot. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're feeling like what I was feeling like was you just want to get in there and, and run the thing after... Um, yeah, preparing and thinking about it and talking about it for so long. Yeah, like I, I really do. And I was thinking the other day that I had this memory flashback to when I was about, I think, maybe 13 or 14 in in high school and I had to write a list of things that you wanted to do in your life. And I still remember to this day that I said that I wanted to run a marathon. Wow. So, you know, however many years later, 20 years later, I'm finally actually going to do it. So, um, yeah, I've got, you know, my time goal and all the rest of it, but I don't know, it's also just a bit of a, like a life sort of accomplishment too. So I'm, I'm really excited. You're ticking something off your bucket list. Yes, I really am. So I, uh, despite not having, well, actually I, I feel like I've had an amazing preparation up until this last sort of week. So, but, you know, aside from that, I'm, I couldn't have been happier. Everything's gone. That's good. And do you think you'll put like marathoner in your signature block or on your LinkedIn profile? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not very present online, so you won't find much of me online, so I won't be putting it on any type of profile. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, a fr uh, friend of mine in Ballarat was saying that um, – now that I've run a marathon, I should be like running for local government because apparently all the local <laughs> councillors are—they're all marathoners and they all like you know really play on that. Um, uh, isn't lots of people are marathoners these days? Given how uh, popular yeah. they all are, even Oprah's a marathoner, isn't she? Didn't she I finish New York Marathon? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, well, you know, there was what eight thousand people running the marathon with me in Melbourne recently. So. Mm. Yeah. Uh, not all of them finished, of course, but um, <laughs> there's, yeah. There's lot, and how many are going to run New York with you? Fifty thousand. I think it's fifty thousand. Yeah, wow. I know. So, and that's um, that's like part of why I'm also so excited. So it's interesting. I was chatting away to uh, the. I went to see the osteo this week. I went to see. I think nearly every type of therapist that there is available to me this week to get my okay. body. <laughs> to my body in order but we were having a good chat and he had been over to the New York Marathon 
with his wife a couple of years ago and his advice was more along the lines of, you know, you've got years and so many events to go and chase a time. He's like, just enjoy it. He's like, it's the most amazing marathon in the world. The atmosphere is just electric. He's like, you don't want to miss out on that by focusing on thinking you have to run this time. So I actually really liked that advice. So, I um, do. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like my kind of guy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and some friends of ours did it a couple of years ago too. And, um, one of the guys that did it was just like, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this experience. And uh, he was saying that he got to, I'm not sure, maybe halfway and um, stopped at one of the pubs and had a beer. It's <laughs> <laughs> one uh, way to fuel your marathon. Exactly. He said he downed this beer and was like, that was amazing. I could have another one. <laughs> so, look, lots of different ways to look at it. But, you know, either way, I think I'm, I'm definitely leaning more towards this experience rather than being so focused on a time don't get me wrong I'm still going to set out in trying to get that time but you know if whatever happens if it all falls apart you know during the race then I'm just going to lap up that atmosphere yeah mm. well, I think I like the way you were talking about it last time where you're perhaps going to back off that early pace a bit yeah. and that, that'll help with that enjoyment factor as well yeah no exactly I mean like just setting off and, you know, as you said, there was 8,000 people that ran with you in Melbourne, which is still amazing. But the fact that this event is just the marathon, like I've never been a part of a, an event like that where the only, you know, there's, there's a running festival but there's only one event and there's 50,000 people doing it. I just, I actually still kind of get my head around it. Oh, that's just an enormous number of people. That's about half the population of Ballarat. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine the half of people of Ballarat turning up to what's the main street, Sturt Street in Ballarat. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all heading around up there and around the lake. It would be um, pretty amazing. So, yeah, it would. Um, but anyway. Huge amount of people. Yeah, huge amount. But anyway, I'll, uh, do you want to hear about my, my week it has been? <laughs> uh, tell me about your, your woes this week. <laughs> oh, dear, the marathon. It really is a journey, isn't it? And, it sure is. Uh, you know, we've spoken about in our episodes that a plan is just a plan and you've really got to just work with whatever comes. So I had mentioned that in the tail end of last week I had had sort of runner's knee flare up so my um, taper started a little bit earlier than expected but uh, on Monday I had my amazing physio and basically it, it was really just the I guess the volume um, that has sort of led to this injury and I know that we're going to talk in sort of greater detail about runner's knee a little bit later but uh, everything was just was tight um so my my hip had locked and so then that had put pressure on my quad and then that had obviously put pressure on my knee and then just doing those really long runs and those long that long tempo so can i just clarify when you're talking runner's knee are you talking about iliotibial band syndrome or are you talking about that more on the front of the kneecap kind of pain no no so more iliotibial band syndrome so i get the pain i'll just describe where i get it and i'm, I'm sure i know that there's a lot of people out there that would get this too um so if you if you have your knee if, sorry your, your leg flat and there's your kneecap just to sort of the top outside part um where the i don't really like the maybe the mm. ligament joins into the knee just gets really, really excruciatingly sore. Um, and so that's actually not the, 
the cause of it. That's just where the pain happens. Um, And even when it gets really bad, so when I'm pressing on it, like I'm pressing on it now, you know, I can really just, oh, I can replicate the pain that I feel when I'm running. And when I'm running it, I actually feel like someone is stabbing me repeatedly into the side of the leg and it's so excruciating i have to stop i actually cannot run through it it's sort of debilitating so yeah it's pretty bad the the worst case of it i ever had was like on a holiday um what how many years ago now about 15 walking around italy in a really bad pair of shoes and my kind of knees collapsing the whole time and (laughs) i got the worst case of iliotibial band syndrome i could not walk Mm. i was trying to walk up and down these like hills and it was yeah it was just excruciating i couldn't even walk properly let alone run i haven't had it that bad it's usually as soon as i walk it's fine i don't feel anything Mm. but yeah it's it is really bad but i must admit it didn't get that bad i could actually just I sort of last Thursday um, I could feel it and I just said to myself, you just need to stop, like you need to get on top of this. Um, There's no point doing really any more sessions. You've done everything you can. So let's just stop, let's just rest. And to be honest, that's usually what fixes it for me uh, plus a little bit of treatment. So I had my physio on the Monday. Um, She sort of unlocked my hips and then straight away my quad just released, which felt amazing. And we did some acupuncture, which I respond to really well. So that felt amazing. And she said to me, look, take another day or so off. So on the Tuesday, I just did some yoga, which was quite nice. And then on the Wednesday, I did 30 minutes and I I felt pretty good. I actually ran 4.41k average. So um, my knee felt pretty good after about 5k's. It comp- like the the pain or the slight pain completely went away. So I was pretty happy with that. And then on the Thursday, I just did a 7k walk actually, and mm-hmm. it was amazing. The sun was out, and yeah, it was just it, w- it was great. Um, I don't think we give enough credit to walking, to be honest. I'm going to talk about my walking um, later on when I get to my recap, such as it is as well. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. So that was Thursday. And then on Friday, I went out for another 30 minutes and I actually didn't feel any pain at all during uh, during that run. So that was five-minute K average, felt really good. So then on the Friday, I had two appointments. As I said, I, I was seeing pretty much any any type of physician that I could last week. So I had an osteo appointment, which was actually for my neck because on long flights, I get super, super stiff and sometimes my neck just gets stuck and gets a bit sore. Uh, and then in the afternoon, I had my amazing physio again. We just put some more needles into, into my knee and then she was pretty confident that it would all let go. And so then on the Saturday, I attempted another 30 minutes and my knee was awful. <laughs> so okay. I, but it was in a completely different spot. So I actually gave up after four Ks. I'd stopped a couple of times and stretched out and it was just really odd. Uh, and then spoke to the physio again and she just sort of said, look, I think everything's just finding its way back to its normal position you know, not to worry about it too much. So uh, I just walked back to walked back home. <laughs> Thankfully, it was a sunny day. So I uh, enjoyed the sunshine again. And then I had a massage in the afternoons. Feeling like a bit of a lady of leisure this week with all of my appointments. <laughs> massage as well. So tell, uh, tell me about your, um, your headspace. Because I, look, I have to admit, leading up to the marathon in Melbourne, that little um, 
tightness niggle in the calf that that kind of did my head in a little bit I reckon like mm. how, how are you coping with the fact that things aren't perfect in the lead up do you know what I'm actually pretty good and I think I think I reckon if this was an injury that I'd never had before so when I had that when I thought it was shin splints you know however many weeks ago now I was actually pretty worried then uh, because it was a, something I'd never experienced. I didn't really know how to handle it. I didn't know the treatment. Um, but I've had this for so long and so often, and I refer a lot <clears throat> to that race in Canberra earlier this year, and my knee had flared up a lot worse than it is at the moment, and I ended up getting through the whole race. So, yeah, look, I'm I'm actually honestly fine, and this particular injury, I have said from the start that if anything's going to really stop me, it's going to be this knee. So, like, I'm not surprised that this has happened. And, you know, if I get however far in the marathon and it goes, um, I, I'm just going to walk jog to the finish. Will I be disappointed? I don't think I will be because I still, like, this is still a bit of an experience. And whilst I, yeah, of course, I obviously want to run my time, but I don't know. I think I've said a few times, like it doesn't, it's not life or death. So it's still, I'm still going to love it either way. And, you know, I've, you know, I've already, as I said last week, I've been thinking about what's next, which I probably shouldn't because this hasn't even been done yet. <laughs> but in thinking of what's next is really changing my attitude and my perspective to this race because I'm, yes. I am eyeing off another marathon and this marathon that I'm eyeing off in the back of my mind, I really want it to be a bit of a performance marathon, whereas this one is still a, like your first time, make it an experience. It's the biggest marathon in the world. You know, to even have done the training that I have done, I'm wrapped. Like I, I, I didn't think my body was even going to hold up to that. So, yeah, no, I'm, look, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, that's that's good. Sounds mm. like you're handling it better than me. But you're <laughs> right about the um, that point about, that definitely threw me with the calf because that was something that I'd just never had any issues with like ever um, mm. and hadn't had any issues with that in the entire build-up. So become as a bit of a an extra stress because you just weren't sure how your body was going to hold up. Yeah. So that did play on my mind a bit. But you're right. If you've had, had something that you've had experience with before, you're more likely to be able to um, process that and, and manage it. Yeah, exactly. Better from a psychological perspective, at least. Yeah, and look, I little I know little things that I can do to, you know, to sort of help it. And look, I've still got a full week. Um, so you know, it's Monday here in Australia, so it's actually Sunday <laughs> in New York. That's right. You've yeah. still got still got a full week. Yeah, and and the actual race, uh, it, it flicks over daylight saving, so I get an extra hour as well. So I'm taking awesome. every little bit of recovery that I can. But, yeah, so, you know, I need to do little things. I just need to keep stretching my hips. I just need to keep self-massaging, not overdoing it. Um, I'll try a couple of runs this week. But, yeah, it's really I'm in maintenance mode more than you know, anything else. So, yeah, look, headspace is, is good. And, look, I'm just really excited about the, the trip as well. Uh, mm. It's It's been a really long time since we've had a big holiday and this is going to be a bit of a – a fun holiday for, you know, my husband and I personally going away together for the first time since having our first child um, on our own. Yep. Uh, and then we'll obviously meet up with our, our our girls afterwards. So, like, whilst the marathon is a big part of it, like, it's not the only part. 
Uh, and I think true. that really helps. So, look, I don't know how elite athletes do it, you know, when they're nursing and, and niggle and they've got like the Olympics or some major event <laughs> coming up. But uh, since I'm not an elite and that's not what defines me as a person, um, I'm, yep. it, I'm in a pretty good space. That sounds good. Yeah. So, so things are going well. I did a grand total of 16Ks of running last week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So nice easy taper. It was a lovely taper. But I did do yoga twice as well and I did a yin yoga on Sunday and, God, I love yin yoga. It's just such a oh, – I think I've said it before. I, I just love it. So, um, yeah, so that was my week. Two yogas, 16 Ks. Yep. And still, yin yoga. I yeah, like it. And still unpacked. So that was me. What about you? Well, it's now – two weeks after the Melbourne Marathon. So I have been taking it pretty easy on a number of fronts, which is good. Yeah, the study that I've been doing starting to wind down now, Got I think I've only got one little 20% assignment to go. So I ticked off another one last week, which is good. So I'm kind of looking forward to having that sort of out of my mind as well, just to free me up for some other things that I want to focus on. Um, so, yeah, it has been a pretty easy week. I've been uh, walking the dog, getting out into the forest, chilling out, um, doing a lot of um, catch up on, you know, the yard work, tidying up before the um, the bushfire season, all of that kind of stuff. So, all of that's kind of nice because it just gets you outside and just lots of cruising, walking around, um, chopping branches, carrying them around, burning them. Um, that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, that lots of fun. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so, yeah, doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And I decided to um, just kind of like track how much walking I was doing um, because I walked the dog at least twice a day. And I was kind of a bit surprised by how much I was actually walking in terms of time mostly, but also just in like uh, distance. So, yeah, I've been doing at least seven hours of walking every week. And if you remember, that's pretty much about the same volume in time that I was doing running-wise. And I didn't really, I don't think I really accounted for that that much during the course of the last marathon build-up and kind of been thinking about whether perhaps I should have been because, you know, we're talking about chasing the magical 100Ks a week. Mm -hmm. I've been doing about, it's quite slow walking because, you know, the dog wants to stop and sniff everything along the way and whatnot. But um <laughs> We've been doing seven hours and about 28 Ks of easy walking um, on top of my 70 to 80 Ks a week that I was doing throughout the entire build-up. So, yeah, I have been covering 100 kilometres a week on my legs in mm. one form or another. Yeah, so actually- I'm not quite what, sure what all that means. Yeah, and, you know, that is a good question. You know, obviously people record their training diaries, um, you know, the, the running and, and gym sessions and all the rest of it. Do you or should you record walking? I'm thinking you probably should. I think given Phil Maffetone has been my adopted guru for this um, <laughs> this process, I think he would agree in terms of like tracking or being very very holistic about tracking all of the activity that you're doing because mm. um, it all forms part of the, the training picture and yeah, you've only got so much energy and time available to you each day. So, um, yeah, if you're doing a lot of kind of regular walking as well it probably does pay to to track that a little bit so mm. so yeah probably will I probably will track that through whatever the next campaign is mm. and especially if you yeah, a lot of it yeah I, th I think and seven hours to me that's a lot like 
I, th- I thought my running seven, eight hours a week was quite a lot, but um, yeah, apparently I've been devoting that much time to looking after my puppy as well. So, <laughs> I feel a good parent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I'm sure it's good for me because it's it's very gentle. I, d- I just monitored my heart rate and you know probably seventy to eighty beats a minute. So it's it's pretty cruisy, and my heart rate monitor calls it recovery, which is I, I'm pretty sure that's what mostly it is, but. Um, yeah, just probably good just to keep an eye on that volume um, heading into future campaigns. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been pretty interesting having a look at that walking. Um, look, I recorded it when I was coming back from both pregnancies. Um, mm-hmm. I really struggled to just go straight back into running. I had cesarean both times, so... Mm-hmm. Obviously, my um, my stomach area was a bit tender, and so I started, and I was I was walking nearly every day, um, and sometimes I, like I would actually go out specifically for like a sixty minute or seventy minute walk, and I was sometimes getting fifty k's a week walking, sixty k's a week walking, um, and then I was able to advance that to run walk, but uh, it looked it got me quite fit, and it was like well, yeah, I think it, it's I think it's too stressful. It's very non-stressful, and it, it does it does get you fit. Like it's all it's all aerobic conditioning. It's just very gentle um, aerobic conditioning. So probably shouldn't be underestimated as uh, forming some part of your initial base building, especially if you're um, coming back from a longer break or surgery as you were essentially. Um, so um, I, th- I think I think we all should sort of think a bit more about introducing some some walking and thinking about that as being a good part of your overall conditioning. Mm, yeah, no, I, and do you know, in some of the sessions that I would do, would I would incorporate like a, a 30 second jog, a one minute jog, you know, a 90 second jog, and then two minutes, like, you know, do a pyramid, but it was based purely around walking. So it'd be a five minute walk, warm up, do the 30 seconds, you know, walk for a minute. And, um, I actually really enjoyed that. I found that a lot easier for me to want to go out and do it after both surgery and then basically having, you know, the, the nine months to a year off because of pregnancy. Um, and it just became a really nice, enjoyable time rather than, you know what it's like when you've been injured or sick or what have you and you're so unfit and you just think, oh, I'm never going to get back there. The thought of a, even a 10-minute run just seems like this enormous mountain you've got to climb. Yes, yes. And look, I've been thinking about that run-walking strategy a bit and I think I'll be adopting that in, in my first few weeks coming back um, after I finish my four-week break mm. and I'll still be looking at my or monitoring my heart rate and probably the the way that I'll use that is to kind of jog along and um, if there's any risk of sort of breaching the heart rate, that'll be the signal to have a walk for a couple of minutes and just get that under control um, and then have a run again after that. Mm. Do you know, I found that it gave me the same like endorphin type of rush as well going out for that walk jog um, like when, you know, when I'm fit enough to go for a run, but I wasn't so exhausted from it that I was able to continue on with other activities during my day. (laughs) So, um, look, I I think it's a great strategy. Yeah. Hmm. Run walking. It's um, definitely a thing. So, yeah, I've been thinking about that and, you know, I've actually been thinking about um, once I start running again, actually getting um, a bit of a technique checkup because 
um, although I'm like the technique guy, um, <laughs> really <laughs> haven't had or haven't really looked at it myself or, or certainly haven't had anyone else look at it for a long period of time because before I got back into this running and marathoning last year, I really wasn't doing much for for five or six years with any structure. Mm. Um, so it might be a good time to actually check in with a few people and, yeah, just get some different perspectives on how well or not I'm moving um, and then try and integrate any little fine-tuning or tweaks into into my next build-up because it's a good time if you are going to kind of do a bit of a technique reset or at least focus on some particular aspect of your running technique, like doing it when you're kind of starting out your um, next build-up is, is a, an excellent time to think about doing that. So, if I do do that, I'll probably make that into a little mini documentary that we can include as part of the um, the podcast. So I'll be contacting a few people who I think would be good to um, uh, do that with and yeah, see if they'd be willing to record some audio um, and maybe some video as well as we kind of go through that process. Mm, great. Sounds amazing. Mm, so yeah, looking forward to looking forward to doing that. And I've been continuing reading. So I was talking about the Primal Endurance podcast last time we caught up. So I went ahead and and purchased that book. So I'm about halfway through reading that. So I kind of won't go into it in too much detail at the moment, but really enjoying a very different perspective that's sort of offered up in terms of the way that you would train as an endurance um, focused athlete. And I think the overriding theme for me at this stage is it's a philosophy that focuses very much on, you know, how you were talking about that quote that I sent you, getting yeah. to the starting line, yep. 80% fit but 100% healthy. Yep. It's it's very much focused on producing that outcome um, overall. That's my overriding summary of it so far. So, yeah, I really like the way that that's put together. So, um, yeah, after your marathon, we might sort of dive into that in a bit more detail because I'm I'm definitely going to adopt um, some of the strategies that I've picked up from listening to the podcast um, to complement my Phil Maffetone, um related stuff. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited to um, adopt some changes next time around. How much more time have you got now that you're not out there running <laughs> uh, yeah, 80, 90 k's a week? <laughs> well, uh, that's right. It's like it's, but it's eight hours a week of extra time to do other stuff. Yeah. And, and also that extra time from, you know, your, your recovery that when you come home after those long runs, um, yes. you don't have, you're not in that cloud of fatigue. Exactly. You know, less la- less laundry. You don't have to be <laughs> yes. washing, washing the running clothes all the time. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, gosh, no wonder you've turned into this um, academic learning so much. It's great. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, lots of time for reading and listening and all of that kind of thing. So, it's it's been pretty great, mm. I've got to say, overall. And, yeah, I think the body feeling feeling all right and, yeah, as it should be starting to feel pretty good after a couple of weeks. But I suspect it'll be feeling even better with another couple of weeks off. And, yeah, last year after the marathon I tried to start running again two weeks afterwards and I had um, my old friend, the ITB <laughs> uh, knee pain pop up on me um so yeah very much empathetic to what you're going through at the moment because yeah when I tried to start running again after the marathon last year I had this little niggly knee pain and it Mm -hmm. really did take me um a couple of months to to shake it after that so I think having the full four weeks off and doing a bit of more regular stretching um and this week I'm actually going to start with some really gentle um 
strength training just focused around strength and stability in the hips just to kind of make sure that um, when I start again that that doesn't rear its head again. Mm. Um, And that's actually probably a good segue to talk about our topic of the week, hey, because we were just going to continue to dive into this iliotibial band syndrome or pain, um, pain on the outside of your knee, which causing you a lot of grief, caused me a lot of grief in the past and no doubt has caused um, hundreds of thousands of other runners um, lots of anxiety and pain and suffering and, and worst of all, not running time. So we'll get into that in a little bit more detail after this. So, Lisa, ITB syndrome, um, <sighs> knee pain. Yes, it's What been... do you reckon causes it? Well, I can tell you what causes it for me, uh, and I reckon this would be the cause because for a lot of other people, and it's a weakness in the hips and the glutes. Now, I never suffered from this until sort of post-hip surgery. Well, actually, a couple of things happened, so I'll, I'll backtrack. I had hip surgery when I was, oh, I can't even remember now, maybe 22, 23, and then post-hip surgery I didn't really do a lot of running. That was sort of when I had given up and my running was quite sporadic and there wasn't a lot of consistency. But when I moved to Sydney I joined uh, joined my athletics club and I started getting back into training and started training a lot more. And I found the love of running again and actually became, I wouldn't say obsessed. I was only running about 40Ks a week, but from doing not a lot to 40Ks consistently and I didn't do any strength work (laughs) Um, and I was very flexible just from um, my old sort of ballet days, I all of a sudden got this this pain, this runner's knee or iliotibial um, syndrome. So for me it's that lack of strength and then that, you know, overtraining and I do just want to say that overtraining isn't necessarily running 100 150 k's a week I guess it's overtraining to what you are used to yeah it's all relative it's it's all relative so for me so I got this pain originally about five years ago um where you know going from really not doing a lot you know my, my job was the most important thing I was spending all this time traveling around Australia, running every now and then. And then all of a sudden, week on week, I was running 40Ks a week and I was increasing my speed. I was back doing regular competitions. Um, that was enough for my body to say, oh, hang on, you're overtraining and you're not doing the strength element to basically support yourself with being able to do this training. And, you know, if you were to look and at the way that I run and I even see it today that when I get tired and my technique goes, I drop on the um, right side of my hip, which is where I had the surgery, and that's just then a chain reaction all the way down um, into the knee and that's when it goes. Yeah, and those muscles, your, your glutes, they not only extend the hip, um, providing that kind of forward propulsion in running, but they also kind of stop your knee from ducking inwards or rotating inwards Um, and if your glutes aren't firing when you're in contact with the ground there's a good chance that you're kind of going to overstretch not in a way that it's designed to move um, both your your glute muscles which are more designed to extend and um, external or abduct your thigh um, and prevent internal rotation so you kind of got things um, starting to move in the wrong 
wrong direction. So that can really kind of, I think, put a lot of extra strain on those glute muscles, but also the IT band itself as it kind of tracks down onto your knee, the outside of your knee. So if your knee's ducking in, you're going to be kind of stretching that in a way that it's not really designed to do. At least that's my theory. Mm. And so what about you? Like how, do, how explain how your issue comes along? Well, I think it's it's similar. I haven't had the complication of knee surgery, but um, before I started paying any attention to how I was running or walking for that matter, I really didn't have very much strength in my glutes, um, didn't have much of a bum to fill out my jeans. So um, when, I, when I was walking or running, I was very much subject to yeah my knees sort of collapsing inwards because there wasn't enough strength in my glutes to actually hold the thigh in better alignment with my hip um, as it kind of like passes underneath your body. So um, I, I think that's that was definitely a thing for me and the, the remedy that fixed it for me was, was getting into the strength training and there's a lot of scientific studies that um, have been performed um, where people have done a you know, a structured regimen of strength training to strengthen up the hips. And and that seems to be very effective at resolving this in the longer term Mm. um, for runners. Preventing, prevention is better than cure, that's for sure. Yeah. And look, I agree a hundred percent. And that was the the primary driver between me or behind me doing the personal training each week for this marathon campaign. Um, and look, I I know that I've got the runner's knee flare up now, but I have never in my life done so many weeks of you know, 80 kilometre weeks. So there is, uh, there's no way that I would have been able to sustain that if I wasn't doing that strength element as well. So, you know, if if it was a perfect world and I had all the time in the world, I'd probably do two or three of those sessions a week to just get myself super strong to handle the load. But, you know, we've all got to be a bit real. We're we're not full-time athletes and we've all got lives outside of our marathon goal. Um, So it just wasn't achievable. So, you know, I think post this marathon, one thing I'm going to do before I get back into um, a lot of running is I'm actually looking forward to hitting the gym, um, probably going about three times a week, you know, only running maybe 40Ks a week and really getting that that strength happening and, and back up to, you know, for that next marathon, I've got a really nice strength base. Because um, like you say, you know, in the glutes, it's just, for me, it's a byproduct of my surgery. And it's something I'm obviously never go- I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. But it's just it's the constant um, you know attention to it. Really, you definitely can't let it let that kind of prehab or rehab slide. You've just got to keep on top of it um, if that's an issue for you. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that strength training very very effective um, at resolving that problem. And as we were sort of talking about before we started recording, when it tends to flare up is, yeah, when you're doing that little extra bit of volume, quite often a little bit slower than normal. So very long runs, very slow long runs, that's when it tends to flare up for me. And and I think it's probably, you know, you get, get a bit either fatigued or lazy doing those very long efforts. And that can probably lead to a little bit of breakdown in technique where the IT band just gets subjected to a little bit more repetitive loading and stress throughout the course of the run. That seems to be when it flares up for me these days. Oh, yeah, agree 100%. So the start of the year when it happened, it flared up. I did two two Sundays of 
two-hour runs, which I'd never done before in my life. And at the end of that um, sort of the I think it was maybe the Tuesday after that second Sunday long run is when it flared up and then this time it was after that 34k run and you know I guess it's not that one run isn't the sole reason it's it's obviously a lot of things leading up to it but for me it's having entered a new zone that I haven't done before is what actually then just tips me over that edge. I agree. So in terms of um, treatment there's a couple of things that I've been trying. One is that that very long yin stretching where you're holding between three and five minutes um, and that pigeon pose is the one that um, we've both been doing. Um, that seems to kind of really stretch out the glutes and I don't think you can actually stretch the ITB band. I'm not sure it's actually possible to stretch it because it's so ropey and robust, um, but it certainly does stretch out the glutes quite nicely and does seem to provide some relief from any potential symptoms for me. And I also find that just doing some gentle strength work itself does seem to have a a therapeutic effect in addition to like a preventative effect. What about you? Is that sort of yeah, look, uh, stretching is a, a tricky one. I need to be really careful with how much stretching I do because I guess old muscle memory kicks in. If I do too much stretching, I turn back into um, bendy biff, I suppose. <laughs> um, but I definitely need to ensure that my right hip, which is my troublesome area, does stay supple enough so that it's not super locked in. That's why I find that the, that yin stretching works or helps me a lot more because it gets into the fascia. And for me, that really releases like the glutes, the hips, and then starts to work that IT band down the side. I can't do it every night because, as I said, I, I will get too flexible and then I end up undoing any work that I've done on the strength side of it. So I would be very careful for, you know, for people that are a little bit more hypermobile like I am that, you know, stretch but be cautious about the stretching. You know, uh, you know, you're probably not in that basket. You could probably stretch for the rest of your life and <laughs> still not touch your toes. But. I'm, I'm the, exactly. I'm the complete opposite to you. I'm the most inflexible person getting around. <laughs> um, but I know that when I first started to have the the issue I was I was stretching 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 and you know when I eventually did um meet my amazing physio she was like oh you know you need more strength and stretching so um it's it's a bit of a fine line but I really am all for the yin the yin poses just because it gets that really deep nice stretch into the fascia Mm. and do you your um, amazing physio has um been treating you like a pin cushion as well <laughs> just getting lots of dry needles um, oh I love does that the seem needles. to be effective yeah it, for me it really really does so I don't have a fear of needles and I must admit I'm very relaxed um, when I get the needles and I, I really find an immediate release from them so for anyone that hasn't had needles before you know I guess there's a bit of a stigma around getting needles and there's it's a terror is associated with it with some people <laughs> no I don't suffer from that so you know, I find the best effect is if you are really relaxed and then, you know, the needle goes into those trigger points and it just sort of, for me, it's like I feel this electric sort of reaction in the muscles and this twitching and it's as though that happens and then they just sort of release. So Mm. I often get about 
six needles and it's not just in my knee so I'm actually getting them um, so the points are one in my glute sort of one in my hip one in um, like on the side of the ITB and then the other three just around different points of the knee and so she puts one into the um the TFL, the latte muscle, yes. the hip flexor. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, so both sides. So yep. both of them must be muscles that join onto the um, IT band. That makes yep. sense. Yeah, exactly. So get them into there. And I guess those areas that, as you say, are either difficult to stretch, there may not necessarily be like a lot of blood flow into them and getting these needles just really helps to, I don't know, focus and pinpoint on those areas. Um, and honestly, after I've had that treatment, I just feel an immediate release in those areas around the muscles. So look, I highly recommend it. If you're someone that isn't afraid of needles, then I, I think it's a really good way to to treat those troublesome spots. I don't and know, you like needles too, don't you? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm a fan of the dry needling. I think it, particularly if you've got areas where stretching or massage is not really helping you it is does seem to be a way to kind of get that immediate um, release um, it's almost like a trigger point massage but it's less damaging than having a giant gorilla go through your <laughs> your, your muscles and tear you apart <laughs> uh, see I like both <laughs> yeah I know. I'm not a fan of the uh, ridiculously tough sports massage i think it does more harm than good sometimes um but the needles yeah you seem tend to recover from that quite quickly um much more quickly than if you've been um been beaten up by uh by a very strong-handed masseuse mm. um not my favorite thing that sports massage but but needles <laughs> yes i go there so i know that a lot of people talk about um like the foam roller as well and especially, you know, roll on the ITB and yep. roll on the knee. Yep. What are your thoughts around that? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan of the foam roller. Um, I have a foam roller, which I don't really ever use. When I have tried to use foam roller on my ITB, all it does is hurt. It doesn't seem to help. Um, and, yeah, back in 2011 when I was writing articles for the blog, Running Technique Tips blog, I wrote an article about breaking up with my foam roller and it was <laughs> it was called Foam Roller It's Over. And <laughs> so I've since then broken up with the foam roller. I, I don't find it very helpful for um, managing or treating ITB issues or, or any other issues for that matter. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's that effective. Like if people do their foam rolling and they find that soothing or beneficial, that's fine. But for me, I just don't think it seems to work. And, and I think the reason is, is you can't really kind of stretch out that, that ITB. So, um, yeah, what purpose does foam rolling actually have in in treating that, um, treating the symptoms or, or trying to resolve them at least? It kind mm. of didn't make a lot of sense for me. But in that article, I yeah, I dug a bit more into the um, the benefits of, strength training as a means to um, prevent the ITB issue from happening in the first place. So, mm. yeah, that's definitely where my head's at in relation to um, in relation to managing your ITB, definitely not foam rolling. Mm. See, I don't mind the foam rolling, um, but I need to be very careful with it because sometimes I, I get a bit of aggressive with it and mm -hmm. it actually um, aggravates the area more than does it uh, does it good because I like uh, because I'm that sick person that sort of likes the pain and I'll have my whole body weight and I've actually got 
uh, it's a foam roll, but it's called black roll, and it is amazing. It's so hard. It's um, it's not like your normal one that you'll buy from the local sports store. That's you. It's still for me feels like a, a small pillow. Um, this one is super super hard. So I have to be very careful that I don't go overboard with it. Um, what I do like to do with foam rolling those. If I'm about to go for a run, sometimes I'll do just a couple of minutes on it on my ITB just to sort of warm up the area. I find that helps. Um, And sometimes at night I'll do just a couple of minutes on it on my ITB. But like you, I don't find that it really prevents it. It's more of a if I've got the problem, I'll do it just to sort of warm it up before I start to do my pigeon poses or my own self-massage. I I find that's more effective than, you know, 10 minutes just rolling up and down. And uh, I actually get really sore arms on the foam roller as well. I know that I've got glued on arms, but (laughs) I get a bit fatigued, like leaning for so long on the side of my body. (laughs) Um, So I'd I'd be a bit cautious on the foam roller, like Mm. use it, but don't abuse it. Yeah. And the other one, uh, which if I, if I get the chance, I'll, I'll try and have a conversation with Kevin, the physio, about um, about this. But my brother had um, some ITB issues as well after the marathon and his physio prescribed um, some isometric holds in a squat kind of position. So that's sort of basically, you know, hanging onto a post or something, um, getting down into a squat where your thigh pretty much parallel to the ground and just kind of holding that for for a period of time and that's for me sounds similar to you know treatments for other tendon sort of injuries where just putting them under that bit of isometric load um, where you actually hold is something that tendons tend to like as i understand it so that could also be something that that people could try that's um yeah not necessarily going to be injurious or aggravate things so yeah actually, there's a bunch of stuff out there yeah that, that's not a bad one I, I might actually try that before the marathon to be honest mm, as a bit of a mm. warm-up yeah um, that's right could could be a thing mm, um, I think the other one which I know a lot of runners or endurance people don't want to hear is actually rest is the other oh, one yeah. that <laughs> that's right you could rest <laughs> <laughs> that actually cures this one um which is something you never really want to hear, but with a bit of a combination of, you know, these the stretching, the strengthening and, you know, maybe even getting some needles, just a few days rest often really fixes it up too. It depends how bad it is. Um, yes. I mean, your one post-marathon sounded pretty bad and your, your walking in your bad shoes yeah. sounded pretty bad too. It was kind of weird, that post-marathon one, because it, it, didn't, it didn't feel – debilitating but it just hung around it it was it hurt enough that I didn't really want to start another training campaign Mm. carrying a niggle and look I I think going to your point about rest like I tried a few things to try and fix it up did some you know needling and had the sports massage and um, did a bit little bit of strength stuff but it you know could be that it was just the rest that resolved it in the yeah. end because I was forced to take um, quite a few weeks off running. Yeah. So if all else fails, rest. Rest, I know. But if you're like me and you've got an event coming up. <laughs> yeah, you don't have that option. Um, so, you know, you can do a little bit of rest and you don't necessarily have the option for lots and lots of weeks. But, you know, for me how I'm trying to manage this is obviously the needles, the massage, the stretching. Um, I am resting and I'm also taking some anti-inflammatories and also using the gel on the actual sore spot um, just to the side of my knee. Now, I know a lot of people 
aren't huge fans of taking the tablets. Like I think you actually react to them quite poorly. <laughs> well, I'm not a huge believer in anti-inflammatory medication. <laughs> um, most of the reading I've done about it and hearing some other people talk about it who are actual doctors, uh, yeah, there's potentially quite a number of um, side effects that can happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think if you're relying on anti-inflammatories for anything other than a very short period of time, you'd want to be talking to your doctor about that because, um, yeah, it could have some potential nasty side effects. Yeah, exactly. And look, even, you know, the packaging and everything says that, but um, it's always a bit of a short-term solution for me, so I'm, I'm going to incorporate it pretty much for this week. I haven't been taking any anti-inflams to date, but, uh, you know, this week after today's run I will. I have been using the gel on my little directly onto the sore spot on the knee. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows, maybe it's actually just a placebo effect, right? Like it might yep. not actually do anything, but in my head I think, oh, great, I've got the gel and I've got the I've got the tablets, fabulous, I'm fine. <laughs> um, so, you know, this is literally, this is only a, a short term I'm implementing it because it's actually race week um but you know if it wasn't if it wasn't like the actual race this week so the racing camera I didn't take any um because it didn't it didn't mean anything really to me that race and I got through it so um I really would suggest that that's the like the the last thing that you try yeah I think that's definitely a a last resort option Mm. um and in fact I, I having had that I had a bad experience, which um, I couldn't conclusively say was related to anti-inflammatories. This was kind of like um, almost 10 years ago now. And it was, yeah, I was very overly obsessed with um, trying to train for a marathon, actually. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I thought, oh, well, okay, I'm getting a few niggles and I'm a bit sore. And some people suggested, why don't you try these anti-inflammatories? So I was taking some of those and um, I had a... Not so long after that, I had a little bleed in one of my eyes and it actually clouded my central vision in my right eye. I think it was called central retinal vein occlusion was the actual thing. And, uh, yeah, I I can tell you having something like that happen and there being a risk to your vision in the long term, I was lucky that it actually resolved and cleared up. Um, Yeah, you think, think twice about taking popping popping some anti-inflammatories just to pursue your running obsession um Mm. and you know some of the other side effects like you know bleeding in in the stomach ulcers um i think i've read read or heard people talking about risk of stroke and that kind of thing like it's it's they're pretty big risk factors like if and the longer you take them obviously the bigger risk of something going wrong happening so definitely approach that kind of stuff with caution Mm, yeah exactly but look I think overall this particular injury is super super common (laughs) Um, so you know if you get it you're not alone there's so much information out there on the internet Um, we'll link up Brian's article as well that he had written previously on the blog Um, but there's some great exercises as well like gym exercises that you can do just even in your own lounge room to try and strengthen this area so that would always be my my go to is the strengthening along with just some some yin stretching uh, and you know and some massage and some needles. Yep, absolutely. Well, I think we've kicked around that ITB issue pretty well, Lisa. What have you got um, 
<laughs> I know you're about to jump on a plane tomorrow, but um, so what's give me the lowdown on what the plan is for the next few days leading up to race day. Yeah, so I've got 60, well, I'm going to attempt to do 60 minutes today um, and see how that goes. I, I think that'll go okay. I'm feeling pretty confident. Uh, I've got the flight tomorrow. Gosh, it's such a long way, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I don't know what the actual flight time is. Uh, I think it's something like 17 hours or something crazy. Yeah, I was going to say 20 hours maybe oh maybe even yeah maybe it is that see I'm, I'm in denial actually oh no it's so I've, I've just pulled up my flight it's 21 hours and 20 minutes yeah god that is such a long way because you've, you've got to get across the pond like the yeah. pacific and then you've got to get across the united states exactly <laughs> Absolutely. from one side to the other so um big ocean then big country to fly across oh, so, yeah. it is a long way so i've just got to get through the flight uh i i, I don't dislike flying at all doesn't faze me but boy do I suffer from jet lag so um I don't even know how you avoid that I just I've given up after all these years I'll just suck it up at the other end and <laughs> let the body work its way in so anyway Wednesday uh just an easy 30 minutes just to see how the body is pulled up post flight um mm-hmm. We arrive, so we leave here tomorrow morning, so which is a Tuesday morning Australia time. Um, but we actually arrive Tuesday afternoon in New York just because of all the time differences. So um, that's actually quite nice leaving and arriving technically on the same day. I feel like I won't have lost anything, even though I've lost a day. <laughs> uh, and then on the Thursday, which will be four days before the race, uh, I'm going to do 45 minutes and then just some strides. And then Friday and Saturday, I'm going to do absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Uh, I think my big achievement on the Friday will be going down to like the expo and getting my bib. And um, I must admit, like, you know, going to the expos here in Australia, I just, I usually go in, like if the expo closes at 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. at night, I go in at like 7.50, run in, get my bib and run away. But um this is just a whole different thing. So I'm actually going to go down and enjoy it and get involved. Yeah, there so, should be heaps going on. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. So I do a little bit of shopping. I believe some of the merchandise looks pretty good. So I'm going to be that person that buys one of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. And did I hear you say in a previous um, recording that um, to get to the start line is actually a bit of an exercise? Like, oh, do they, they yes. ship you off somewhere? Is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're going to be there. So the race starts at 9 9.50 is when my wave goes off uh, and then there's, you know, however many corresponding waves after that. Um, I believe that we have to be out there or I'll be getting there around 7 o'clock in the morning, maybe even wow. a little bit earlier. So you've got to ship 50,000 people over to the start at, over on Staten Island. So it is a bit of an ordeal. Um, feeling pretty special though. We're getting a police escort to the start line. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> So I'm going to feel momentarily special whilst we're getting there at whatever time in the morning. Um, But, you know, that alone, we're going to have to make sure that we're warm. We've got lots of warm clothes, food because I get so hungry. Uh, So there is a bit of logistics in it. So I think, you know, all of these things probably don't really equate to a, you know, the best performance. performance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you know what? I don't want to miss out on that atmosphere, like in this, on that start area, you know, there's going to be all sorts of characters, every walks of life there. So 
I just want to get involved, have a chat to people. I don't really want to be so consumed in my own bubble that I miss out on any of that either. Um, but it's looking pretty good race day weather-wise. I think it's looking to be about 15 degrees and overcast. So, oh, nice one. Yeah. So I was really worried that it was going to be, you know, maximum five degrees or something and I was going to freeze. But uh, so far it's looking pretty good. Yeah, that sounds like perfect conditions. Mm, so I think the biggest task for me this week is what am I going to wear? <laughs> the big ticket items. Who cares about the knee and the flight and all the yep. rest of it? <laughs> what will I wear? Excellent. Um, so, yeah, race week. It's here. I'm excited and it'll be what it'll be. It will. It will. And next time we talk, which will probably be on Skype, I'd imagine, um, yeah. you'll, have, you'll have done it. I'll be a marathoner. <laughs> you will be a marathoner. <laughs> Whether I've crawled to that finish line or not. So, yeah, I must admit I have thought about the like the finish part quite a lot, not that I'm you know, into visualisation of, of your performance because, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't really mean anything to me. But it's been nice thinking about how I'm going to feel at the finish. How did you feel at the finish line of your first marathon last year? Um uh, it's actually it's a bit emotional because you're so spent um, yeah. physically that uh, yeah it's a bit overwhelming like you probably don't have uh, or at least I didn't have a lot of time just to sit there and kind of reflect on it as an achievement you're just so tired that um, you just all you want to do is go and find your support crew um, and you know get the hell out of there and go and find a shower and you know something to eat and that kind of thing so um, yeah it's um uh, be be prepared to have a bit of a roller coaster of, of emotions, perhaps. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. If there's some food around, try and grab some of that, and definitely try and keep warm because you you can get cold really quickly afterwards. So yeah, oh, I believe food. I'm getting a giant poncho at the end of it. So, oh, good. I, I have yeah. seen uh, hand out those like foil space blankety type things. So maybe it's one of those. Is it or is oh, it just a- no? Apparently, it's like some warm. So you can either choose whether or not um, you have your bag dropped at the start, um, or if you don't elect for that, then you get given uh, like a New York Marathon poncho, which apparently is pretty nice and pretty special so um i've elected for that that. so uh i'll be cruising around in my giant poncho and new york marathon medal what a look (laughs) (laughs) i expect photos on instagram for that one oh yes i'll be i'll be posting a few selfies i think (laughs) yep yep right i think we're almost at a wrap before we go actually we put a bit of a, a shout out for people to um uh, review and rate us um, on whatever podcast platform form that you listen on. And um, a number of people, including ourselves, have discovered that there seems to be some kind of bug in the Apple podcast app at the moment. And yeah, there's a couple of listeners who said, I've tried to review you and leave a rating, but it actually doesn't work. And I found that as well. And I, I tried to give a positive review for the primal primal endurance podcast and the app just wouldn't let me do it so um i'm going to do a bit of investigating to see what's going on if anything with that um because if we're suffering from that problem other podcasters will be as well um and some podcasts with a lot more pull than us will probably be a bit cranky with apple if um, people can't leave positive reviews and ratings um Mm. for all of their hard work so yeah stay tuned on that i'll see what i can find out Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, enjoy your uh, week of walking, reading, and just general cruisiness. Cruisiness, yeah, and looking forward to staying up late um, 
tracking you in this um, New York marathon? Yeah, so I think 12.50 Australian Eastern Standard Time, uh, it starts, I believe. Um, so it'll, it'll, it'll be a late one. It will be, but mm. it'll be fun. It'll it be will be, yeah. Easy. Well, I'll talk to you as a marathoner this time next week. <laughs> Excellent. Will do. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. See you next week.